0: Um, So we're doing our weekly PSA Spaces. Um, We're obviously doing it in the middle of a pretty good ballgame. The Yankees in the race tied at one, top of the seventh uh, with one out. Um, We're doing something a little bit different this week. And uh, we're not going to be talking about the Yankees a ton. um, But I invited some pretty cool, pretty interesting uh, folks who are sort of around baseball, within the baseball community, Um, and are queer to talk about sort of the way that uh, pride and baseball and sort of broader culture all come together. And it's perhaps fitting that the Yankees are playing the Rays, um, given that uh, the Rays have taken, well, not the Rays, but some members of the Rays have taken the most vocal stances against uh, pride in baseball. And, of course, five of their players refused to wear... Uh, pride patches for uh, a pride game and hid behind Jesus and all that other nonsense. And uh, the Yankees have not announced a pride night and we are more than half on that. I think it's just interesting that um, we're going to be talking about this stuff while uh, these two particular teams uh, face off. So if you'll just give me a second to get our speakers in here. Um, Matt, Matthew, just check the... uh, Check your DMs, my friend. Um, but we have a couple of different people. Um, yeah, so that's what today is going to be about. Um, if you're not into that, I don't necessarily mind. If uh, You know, I don't really care. Um, I'd like you to stick around, and I think you'll hear some interesting uh, insight. But if that's not your thing, and you're just the kind of person that just wants to talk baseball, uh, that's not what this week is for. But until all my speakers show up, um you know what let's let a couple people speak uh on stuff uh dan you've requested to speak what's uh what's going on very quickly before everybody gets here
5: hi uh um, hi dan what's up no i mean i just i don't know i'm a queer person who is a big yankee fan big baseball fan and i was just kind of you know, looking into this, I know the Mets Pride Month is or the Mets Pride Night is tomorrow, Uh and I was just kind of looking into. I know the Yankees did something in twenty nineteen for like the Legacy of Pride or something like that, but I don't know. I was just looking into the subject, so I thought it was interesting than having a conversation about it.
0: Yeah. Um. So the Yankees did in twenty nineteen. They had their first Pride Night. Uh, for the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. And there is a plaque in Monument Park that's dedicated to Stonewall. And there is a, a scholarship that the Yankees run every single year um, about uh, that uh, gives money to uh, queer high school students in the Bronx. I think actually in all five boroughs. But uh, that's pretty much the extent of what they did. And it was a pregame ceremony where they honored the kids. And that's great. But they didn't really do anything else about it. And then last year, they had another pregame ceremony. And again, that's pretty much it. They don't put something on the logo. They don't do anything explicit to reach out to queer fans. They don't do things uh, around sort of honoring the queer history of New York. And it's really upsetting because it's New York city. Like it's
5: right. It's We're of, very queer here. Yes.
0: Right. It's one of the, in terms of history and culture, the most important places in world history for queer people. And so I'm constantly disappointed and pissed off with the Yankees every single year for not doing more. And right. I know that there are people in the Yankees organization, Jason Zillow, who's the head of PR has pushed, has pushed against, Uh, doing, you know, more to recognize queer fans. That's patently unacceptable. Like, I'm single with no kids and a pretty good job living in a major uh, metropolitan area. I have disposable income. You know, I can choose to spend that money on Yankee stuff or I can choose to spend that money elsewhere. And this is... It keeps coming back to, like, yeah, sure, we can talk about Pride being too corporate and being too business-driven, but, like, I still need a place to spend my money. Right, and I mean, I would
5: definitely... I would definitely buy like a rainbow Yankee hat, right? Like yeah, a Yankee hat with a rainbow, where the logo is rainbow. I I would buy that. I bet a lot of people would buy that. Yeah, even just like I I, I do think the pride is too corporate, but just business wise, it, it, like strictly that way, it doesn't make sense, and also it paints a bad picture. Like the the Rangers don't are the only team that didn't doesn't do anything, has never done anything. And I know during um, Spirit Day last year, they had they didn't mention at all that it was a queer thing, and they were the only team that didn't do that. They got a lot of backlash. I think the Yankees could get a lot for not recognizing it as well.
0: I do think that the Yankees, it's odd that the Yankees have been kind of, I don't want to say bulletproof about it, but they haven't, faced the same kind of pushback that you would expect for a team like this. And I don't know why. I don't know if they're just so... Why can I not invite Ken Schultz? That's strange. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having problems. We are having all kinds of problems with the people that are supposed to be on this show, but that's okay. Dan and I are having a good conversation. Yeah, I don't know why the Yankees seem to get away with it. I don't know if it's that there's a particular like corporate brand that the Yankees have that have made them bulletproof on this kind of stuff at the end of the day, it's something that ownership and the people who do PR for the Yankees have not prioritized this because if Hal Steinbrenner and Jason Zillow and Randy Levine wanted to do something, some kind of a night to commemorate anything, it would get done. That's just the way that things go. And uh, they don't get a priority and it's upsetting. And it's, it's upsetting. Cause it's like, you know, I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for – I mean, I, I actually am asking for drag queens at the seventh inning stretch, but, like, I don't need that, you know? I'd like it, but I don't need that. I just need, like, you know, wear rainbow socks. Like, how cool would it be for a, a trans kid that doesn't know if they can come out to people at their school or to their parents to see Aaron Judge wearing rainbow high socks? Like, that's
5: yeah, the kind I of mean, thing that we're talking about. Right. Right, okay. no, it's it's a real it's a real problem, like with queer stuff, and also just like they don't do any sort of heritage nights or pride nights. It's it, it should.
0: How are you feeling, broadly speaking? You know, what, broadly speaking, how are you feeling about the Yankee season, Dan? Since it seems to be just you and me for the next five minutes.
5: Uh, I mean, it's it's going well. It feels. So I was born in 99, so I don't really remember the, you know, heyday, late 90s Yankees. But, um, it, you know, it, it feels... I saw someone tweet this the other day, and I agreed. I think it might have been Dan Rourke, who works for John Boy. Uh, they said that it feels like what they've always heard, like the 98, 99, 2000 Yankees seasons were like uh and i kind of agree with that i think that it feels like a special season
0: yeah it's um it's funny because so i'm I'm a little bit older than you. i'm in 94 so i didn't quite see the 98 season but it does feel like you know i think the series with the rays is such a great example because it's like they don't really score. Like, so they come off this series with the Cubs, obviously the, you should beat the Cubs every single time that you play them. But, um, they blow the Cubs out, or at least in two of the games. And then they win these two really, really close games against, uh, the Rays against a team that is, you know, we we've heard all season, like, Oh, like the Yankees have an easy schedule and that kind of right. stuff. And it's like, no, like they won two, two games that are like off type games against the Rays, this team that we're all supposed to be so scared of and supposed to have such, like, PTSD
5: over... I I do feel like like the Yankees have just, like, the last few years at least have had real problems with the Rays, just in terms of beating them. Like, since the Rays got good, they've been a very difficult team for the Yankees to beat, I feel like. They
0: have, but I think that people have... I think that like Yankee fans in particular think that like the the Rays are like voodoo and it's very strange to me that there's this obsession that like the Yankees can't beat the Rays like yeah the Rays have been tough they've been good but uh I don't know I'm not as I'm not as
5: scared of Tampa as everyone else seems to be That's fair I also think a lot of people baseball or at least I don't know it, it seemed to me last year a lot of people Started becoming baseball fans, and so I thought. I think a lot of Yankees fans, in particular, their memories of the Rays, at least new ones, would be, you know, we lost them in the twenty twenty playoffs, and we almost missed last year's playoffs because we couldn't beat the Rays in the last series until the last game, and so I think for like newer fans, I I could totally see why the Rays would be like that. I know, so I was a lapsed fan for a little while, uh, in like the mid-2010s a little bit, and so I remember there being like awful race teams, and then I came back, and they weren't awful anymore, and there was a little bit of whiplash for that, but so I could see how a newer fan would think that we just can't beat the race. Matthew! Finally! Hello! Oh
3: my god, I'm in, I made it, we made it. What a beautiful We've moment! Only been trying for fifteen <laughs> minutes to get one person added to a Twitter stand. Absolutely,
5: <laughs> incredible!
3: Oh, we did it! We did it! And Happy to be still here. To <laughs> okay,
0: so I'm so sorry. This is so messy, but like maybe it's appropriate. Um, so this was supposed to be. I was supposed to have four people in this space that I uh, like and respect a lot. My colleague Brody, uh, Ken Schultz, who writes at Bleed Cubbies Blue and Outsports, and is just a very funny and warm person don ennis who is uh as tough as nails as you will ever find she's written i couldn't tell you how many bylines she has she's written everywhere she's been an incredible queer activist and organizer and she is a diehard mets fan which was gonna be fun because i was gonna tell her that i respect her and i like her but like that she you know forgets to read or something like that um and then, uh, and then I wanted to have Matthew, who, Matthew, why don't you give us your byline? Because when, when Matthew and I first met online, not in like a dating way, but in like when we first followed each other, um, <laughs> you were writing, and now you're not.
3: So yeah, so I uh, was a local government reporter uh, in, here in Southern California for a little while, for about eight years. And then um, COVID happened, and then I kind of switched gears a little bit, and now I work in uh, local government, uh, still in SoCal. But uh, yeah, also uh, a diehard baseball fan. Unfortunately, an Angels fan. Sorry to everybody in the chat. Uh, but uh, but um, yeah, also a very I mean, Angels fan. Really, and I like, think, uh, you shouldn't be yeah.
0: you shouldn't be apologizing to us. We should be apologizing to you because it's been a really right, bad. Right.
3: It's been a, it's been a bad run. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's been uh, the worst of times and the worst of times. Let me just say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I think Joshua, I think you and I met probably in the comments of of, i think like a lindsey adler tweet i want to say i think she said something about like gay people and uh, baseball i think some dude chimed in and was like oh you know no one's ever no gay person's ever talked to me about baseball and i think i've applied something to the effect of oh well they they're into baseball they just don't want to talk to you
0: yes but i wrote a piece about the yankees and pride and it was the first time that i had come out like one of the things that I find fascinating, and we're going to get into this sort of in the broader space. Hopefully, Ken is going to be able to join us. And if not, Dan, I mean, if you're comfortable, we'd love to maybe talk a little bit more with you. Um, yeah. but one of the things that I find the- coming out, like, you come out a million times. And, you know, like, you come out every single time that you go to a new restaurant or start a new job or whatever. You have to make a decision, like, how, how am I going to present myself? Um, am I going to do, you know, what am I going to, am I going to talk about my partner if I have one? How am I going to, you know, the banter that,
6: can
2: Ken. Uh, okay, hey.
0: Great. So now we have, now, just as I wanted, we have the white cis queer men, <laughs> which are the only, I don't want to speak to Dan's identity because I don't know them. But I,
5: I I am a white cis queer man.
0: Exactly Happy Pride 2022, everybody. For white cis men discussing queer issues as should happen um,
3: i'm ashamedly cis it's <laughs> true
0: famously uh, a 21 year old quink threw the first rock at stonewall so um
3: yeah according to roland emmerich that yeah, happened
0: yeah i don't know if you ever saw uh. it taught me a lot about history <laughs> uh, okay so now that we have four of us do you know where Don is i don't know where Don is but... um i
2: can text her if you want
0: yeah maybe just remind her to join on her phone i think that's you try to join your laptop first or you try to join your phone
3: first i did yeah. So i was on my laptop first. okay i think and that's, I, I, think that's phone phone and... I think that's the trick i think
0: the trick with space you gotta be in your phone okay so um space but we're also recording this and we're gonna <laughs> drop it as a podcast and i want to kind of talk um uh, i mean i wanted to open with don but that's fine um i wanted to talk matthew can and i guess dan like just we can kind of all go around in a circle and just talk about your team how you feel about your team like generally what do you love about watching the Cubs or the Angels so you know two this might be a tough episode to get through but like (laughs) what do you love about baseball and then how does your team sort of think about and and work around pride and are you kind of broadly happy with it broadly unhappy just kind of like get into anything else like super super deep Matthew why don't you go first
3: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been an Angels fan since I was like a little kid. Maybe my family used to have like season tickets. We'd go all the time, and so I kind of grew up in the sort of like Disney pinstripes, pre-Rally Monkey kind of Jim Edmonds Movon era, uh, which, well, of course, was was mediocre like any other Angels season. But you know, it was it was fun for me. And um, I don't know. I mean, I just I love baseball because I just love watching baseball. I just love everything about it, this, this strategy about it, you know, this is t- the ethical aspect about it. And um, hmm, in terms of, you know, the Angels, I think, I believe they were the one of the last teams. I mean, we just were talking about the Yankees not officially having a pride night, but um, they were one of the last remaining holdouts uh, to have a pride night. I think they just had one maybe like a three years ago, I want to say, in 2019 or 2018. Could, I could be wrong. Um, and of course, like, I mean, I haven't been to one yet. I'm so sorry, but I'm, I'm definitely going to go to this, go to this one this year. Um, and I was a little bit annoyed that they hadn't had one as of yet uh, prior to 2019. Uh, and now that they do, like, I'm happy that they do, you know, but I'm me wants to say like a what, what took them, <laughs> you know, and I understand it's like Orange County, you know, how, if anyone's familiar with Orange County in California, that's kind of how, they're not exactly the most progressive, uh, region uh in the country so i guess i kind of figured you know well it's orange county that's just kind of the vibe out there but um yeah um uh i'm hopeful i'm a little bit leery uh because you know Artie moreno i don't hate to get you know political here in the baseball chat but you know arty moreno uh is uh very good friends with donald trump so yeah i guess what i would have to say is hopeful but leery uh as as, as a gay angels fan uh, how they uh, have that, that they have a pride night. Kim, um, you, uh, you go to Cubs pride every year. What's that?
0: What's the, again, another owner who, um, is perhaps <laughs> not, I mean, I don't think that there is a progressive owner. I just feel like it's 30 fair. obscenely rich white men and they're, they tend not to be all that progressive, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, as I said to Matthew in our chat, uh, I will see your Artie Moreno is a good friend of Donald Trump and raise you the entire Ricketts family. Uh, (laughs) Right. One of whom was in charge of raising money for the re-election campaign. The other, another one is uh, governor of Nebraska and is currently trying to lethally inject every one of his constituents. So, yeah, Um, I, I guess to answer... Josh's question in terms of what I most enjoy about baseball. um, First thing that springs to mind is there have been years other than this season. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, It's, it's hard right now. Uh, You're really grasping with, with this year's Cubs. So, Um, but I got hooked on them back when I was uh, five years old at my first baseball memories in what for in Cubs terms was a very, very glorious summer of 1984, which was the first time They won the division back in the old National League East days and made the playoffs for the first time in 39 years. And uh, I was five years old, and my memory is of my dad taking me to Wrigley Field, telling me on the way there that Ryan Sandberg was the best player in the game, Rick Sutcliffe is the best pitcher. And that day, Sandberg hit a home run, and Sutcliffe pitched a shutout, and my dad was a goddamn genius. So from that day forward, it was like, yeah, this is kind of one of my favorite things. And yeah, it's, it's been quite a ride. Uh, part of the you know, epic quest for the first 37 years of my life and then ending in the 2016 World Series with the greatest Game 7 of all time. Um, and yeah, for the most part, uh, other than this year, it's been great. Uh, in terms of how the Cubs relate to the community, uh, that's actually one of the few things that I can say that they legitimately do very well um, the Cubs have had a pride event going at Wrigley Field since I want to say it started in 2001, and this is—it's uh, called Out at Wrigley. Um, it's billed as the longest-running, continuously-running Gay Day in Major League Baseball, and it's actually organized within uh, the, the community, within the Boys Town community. Uh, there's a, a guy named Bill, Bill Gubra who uh, used to be an editor at the Windy City Times, used to be our local gay weekly newspaper. And he approached the Cubs in 2001 and essentially said, um, "I have a way that you know we can you could reach out to us and I can get guarantee a whole bunch of us will buy a big group uh, group uh, ticket package. And are you interested?" And mm-hmm. the Tribune Company, which owned the Cubs in those days, said, uh money, sure." And so he held it. A whole bunch of people showed up. It was great, and they've been holding it every year since. And the Cubs actually. Now do two different pride events because there's out at Wrigley, which is, as I say, run through the community. And then the team does an official one at the end of June. And that's more. So you can buy an official pride night package and have your money go directly to Ricketts. So, you know, um, there, they've had uh, representation in the parade since as far back as I can remember. Uh, They've often not just shown up. They've had team legends who've shown up uh, to the pride parade, Ernie Banks, was in the parade back in 2010. Uh, Ryan Sandberg was in the parade in 2016. And as a reminder, these are guys who played in Sandberg in the 80s, Banks in the 50s and 60s, not exactly the most open-minded of times when it came to the LGBTQ community. So it's a pretty amazing thing, uh, that that aspect of it anyway.
0: Um, You know what, Dan? We're going to make you an honorary member of this space because – uh, I don't know where Dawn is. <laughs> we might <laughs> kick you out when Dawn gets here. But same question to you. I mean, like, so uh, you're, I don't know, I think you're the youngest in this space. I think Matthew and I have a you, um, Turning 29 next year, which is dangerously close to gay death. Um, but, like, you know, talk to us about, you know, you having, I mean, it, it is weird. Like, five years doesn't sound like a lot, but I think in terms of, like, queer acceptance and queer visibility, I think it makes a tremendous difference, actually. So... Um, why don't you talk about sort of your experience with the Yankees and queerness, and then I'll talk about
5: mine. Sure. So, I mean, as far as the Yankees go, I I don't really know why I became a Yankees fan. My dad's a Mets fan. My uncle's a Mets fan. Maybe simply to be contrarian, I decided to be a Yankees fan. Um, the 2009 World Series is like one of my... I picture it as like there's those core like memories in the Pixar film Inside Out, right? Uh, I picture the 2009 World Series as one of them. Um, that was huge. And like, I just, I don't know. I think, I think that there's something very special to me about being a Yankees fan, especially right now. The other sports teams that I support suck. So it's cool. I'm glad the Yankees don't. Um, it was it's definitely been weird though being a queer baseball fan i feel like well while, while i do seem to keep finding more queer people who are fans of the yankees or baseball or sports in general um it still feels a little bit like those two parts of my life don't fit together mm-hmm. so well i'm a uh, sports media major in college and in the classes for my major, I swear I'm the only queer person. Sure. And I I go to a very queer school. Ithaca College in upstate New York is very queer, Um, just in general, but still in this major, I I don't think I know any other queer people. Certainly not out queer people. Um, But I do think, you know, I, I really hate the stereotype that, Queer people can't like sports, can't know sports. Um, I wrote, actually, my final paper for one of my classes uh, this past semester was about that and about how it's just not true. Um, it was about Pride Nights. Um, I was at the 2019 Yankees thing, which wasn't a big thing, but I touched on that. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. Um, so my sort of history with the game um i'm canadian and i uh, was born just outside of toronto and it was my first game in 2000 uh, i was 6 uh, yankees and blue jays and the yankees blew the blue jays out i can't remember the exact score it was like 12 to something and sort of sort of like an evil version of ken's story i was like 6 years old and i was like why would you cheer for the team that lost like you should cheer for the team that won that just makes sense to me the team that won, obviously, they had much more fun. They did a lot more stuff, much more exciting. It became a Yankee fan that way. They won the World Series that year. Then they went to the World Series in one of the greatest World Series matchups of all time the next year, and I was kind of sold. And the fact that I was in Canada, so the Jays played the Yankees a lot, and the uh, Yankees were always on national TV, helped as well. Um, but I this is, you know, to Dan's point about it being – tough to reconcile these things. It's it's, it's interesting to listen to Ken especially talk about the Cubs and how closely pride has been integrated with the Cubs um, because the Yankees aren't like that. And um, it's, you know, I I wanted to get really, really upset at the Rays last week when those five players refused to wear the pride patch. The Rays let them onto the field. Um, Should have not let them come on. Uh, this is the uniform you're going to wear it. And it's one patch a year. And uh, I'm sure that there are Venezuelan players who don't enjoy having to wear camo for armed forces, uh, but they do. And um, I, was, so I was so angry with the Rays for doing that. But I was like, you know what? If the Yankees try to do the same thing, I'm sure there are guys in the Yankee clubhouse, same as every, every single clubhouse in baseball, that would want to refuse to wear a patch like that and I don't know if the Yankees would, I don't want to say have the stones, but have the have the gall to tell the players to wear it or to leave them off the field. I don't know because they've been so uninterested in in working with in within queer spaces uh, up until now. Whereas I think like a team like San Diego or Oakland, and Ken, you can speak to this because you write about it a lot. Teams that really do, even more so than the Cubs, really work within... Community. I I think the Francisco Giants would tell their players three, four weeks in advance, you know, this is what we're doing for Pride Night. If you have a problem with it, uh, tell us now and we'll work out some situation where you're not on the field. Because we're not going to have 20 guys wearing rainbow caps and five guys wearing black and orange.
2: Yeah, I uh, spoke to Eric Braverman actually at the beginning of the month about the uh, Dodgers pride night because this was going to be the first year that they wore rainbow pride caps in the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, he described the process and it does involve kind of what you were saying that it, it involves a bit of planning and a lot of communication from the front office as to uh, making sure the players know that this is not an idea. We're springing on you. And what he told me is that he went down to the clubhouse before like any word of this leaked at all, that this was going to happen. And he got in touch with, all of the clubhouse leaders first and foremost. And I asked him specifically Kershaw and he said that, yes, Kershaw was one of the first guys that he spoke with in the Dodger clubhouse because obviously he holds so much sway there. And once he got the leaders on board, then he spoke to the rest of the team and uh, they kind of also helped get his around. So it wasn't really like, Hey, here's this rainbow kind of out of the blue. Uh, now let's go out there. And it, feels like that's a lot of effort to get players to acknowledge our basic humanity but it worked and the dodgers have twice taken the field in rainbow pride caps both for their pride night and for giants pride and it's gone off without a hitch so and like that's um, the
0: that's the that, that's the thing that bothers me like you said like it seems like a lot of work to recognize like this stuff does take work and yeah. the, the thing that's frustrating to me is they're willing to do the work when it comes to anything else You know, again, like I go back to there are a lot of Venezuelan players across Major League Baseball who would have very good reasons not to want God Bless America, not to want military flyovers, not to want to wear camo stuff, because American policy has really harmed Venezuela in a lot of ways. But clearly, teams have either convinced those players to go along with it, or they've just said, this is what we're doing and it doesn't seem like they're willing to put forth that same amount of effort when it
2: comes to the queers. Yeah, I think that's partly because, I mean, the culture of militarization has become so entwined with baseball specifically, but also professional sports in general in this country um, ever since 9-11, like that's, it's become such a reflex action uh, at this point that of course, this is the officially sponsored Salute the Troops moment. Everybody stands now because they know that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, some of us don't. But, um, but I, I would venture to say that most team, team executives especially view that as much less of a controversial ask. And honestly, I'm sure most of them don't even give a shit about the fact that Venezuelans might have a, a different opinion of the U.S. military than a lot of, uh, our, a lot of American players do. And I would say that in markets like San Francisco and LA and Chicago, and you would think New York as well, um, that uh, ownership would view those similarly as not very controversial to ask, "Hey, would you mind welcoming the LGBTQ community for one night, Uh, making gestures of welcome, and and and, uh, wearing rainbows on on the field?" I would say though that in markets like Cincinnati. St. Louis, um, that's probably a little bit viewed as a little bit too risky by a lot of ownerships there. Um, And those those are markets that are actually holding pride nights. Like, don't get me wrong, that that's a good thing. But I'm not quite sure that, like, Bill DeWitt, the uber conservative owner of the Cardinals, would necessarily be ready to take the field in rainbow STL caps and then watch best fans St. Louis on Twitter blow up with retweeting uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of angry best fans in baseball going off. Okay, with, okay, uh,
0: but is there a funnier potential image than 694 year old Yadier Molina wearing <laughs> like rainbow wristband?
2: I think we need to get this to happen now. I think I would like to see, I would like to see Yadier wearing a rainbow chest protector just to watch the ball stick to that too.
0: Um, One of the things I think is is interesting when I talk to queer folks about sports in general, and especially going to sporting events, is safety, Um, because not all spaces are safe uh, for queer people, and safety is not linear. Um, People, you know, again, we have four white cis queer men here, so that offers us a, a certain amount of protection when we're in large crowds that we're just not going to be targeted in ways that other people might, that um, queer people of color might, that trans people might, that anyone who sort of doesn't fit a very easy box of male or female, um, you know, don't don't enjoy those things. But even me saying that, I, I'm wondering about sort of my own sort of experiences at ballparks. Um, again, if, if we're comfortable, I mean, Matthew, we can start with you. like when you go to games, do you feel safe? Do you feel as though the Angels or whatever ballpark you have built, uh, you go to, uh, has built systems to keep fans, particularly queer fans, safe, that there's accountability and sort of response measures if something should happen?
3: You know, uh, and again, like, you know, you preface that really well. Like, I'm speaking clearly as a white, straight, cisgendered, you know, male who like presents, I mean, I would think presents it straight in, until I open my mouth and say stuff, but um, you know, and I've, and I've been to many angels games. I've been to many Dodgers games as well. And there's never really a situation that I, where I felt uncomfortable, where I felt like I was being sealed out or people were looking at me in a different way or anything like that. But again, like, and I would think, and I would think that these two uh, stadiums have like very, like tough protocols in place in terms of fan harassment. I mean, especially when it comes to the Dodgers, you know, because they have a history there. Uh, you know, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I have to say, like, I mean, I wish I had a better answer for you, but uh, as speaking as you know who I am, who I present, and stuff like that, I've never really had any issues of safety or looking over my shoulder or anything like that at uh, either of the stadiums that I've been to.
0: Dan, I mean, I'm curious if you've had any different experiences. I mean, again, like you would think we're we're talking about three pretty. Uh, progressive, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that cities are progressive, but sort of perceived to be more progressive. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that you go to Yankees and Mets games.
5: Yeah, so Yankees games, far more than Mets games, but I have been to Mets games. Um, And like Matthew, I often, uh, I present, you know, I I probably pass this straight until I open my mouth a lot of the time. Um, so I I don't know really what it would be like for a Latinx or transgender or, you know, and anyone who isn't a cis male, a cis white male. But as far as, you know, nothing's ever happened to me at a Yankee game or Met game or any sort of sporting event. But I will say that I don't know what it is. I feel less comfortable being queer at Yankee Stadium than I do at Citi Field. Uh, I don't know why that is. I think it might be kind of my notions about uh, Yankees management and Randy Levine and just the Steinbrenner family and how I think that they might respond, although... I mean, they they don't care as long as I'm giving them my money. But uh, I don't know. I think that I I, I don't know why it is, but I don't feel necessarily. I I mentioned this before. I don't really I I don't connect my queer life with my baseball life so much. Uh, And I don't feel like Yankee Stadium does a good job of at all making me feel comfortable in doing so in connecting them
0: hmm. um so you brought up that point which is sort of the next thing i wanted to talk about um we will talk about like fun stuff i want to make that clear um half of pride is a, a, a protest and a memorial and the other half is a party so we will get to the party half i promise um but you know you brought up like Levine and company they don't care as long as you're giving them money And this is, I think, the central issue of Pride emerging as a mainstream cultural event. Like the Toronto Pride Parade is, I believe, the largest public event the city of Toronto puts on in a calendar year. And uh, that means that you're going to get representation from uh, local bookstores, and uh, drag performers and uh, religious outreach organizations that actually build constructive and positive relationships with queer people instead of telling them they're going to hell. But it also means, like, it's so funny when, we, when people make the, the, the kink of pride discourse or whatever comes up, and if you think that, like, you know, people are just going to be having, you know, unprotected sex in the middle of the pride parade, what actually happens is, you know, you get a rainbow pen thrown at you from Scotiabank. And um, baseball in queer spaces is sort of an extension of that. So Dan and I were talking at the beginning of this space, like, yeah, I would absolutely buy a rainbow Yankee hat. But I, if you think about sort of what Pride represents and, and the voices that should be centered during Pride, they're sort of antithetical to the concept and the brand of the New York Yankees. So um, Ken, how do you reconcile those things?
2: Well, it's interesting that when you bring that up, uh, Josh, that kind of what's popped into my mind was a conversation that we had last year, kind of around this time um, when the Yankees were kind of, I don't want to say grudgingly, but uh, at least awkwardly acknowledging pride on the Yes Network. And I think it's kind of phrased this way. Yeah, they um, learned
0: their lesson this year and they're not fucking talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> if,
2: if you can't... If you can't say historically accurate shit, don't say anything at all, Michael. K. awesome. Um, but that's yeah, that that it's kind of that awkwardly halting corporate speak that the Yankees are so well known for. That they refer to it as like the events of Stonewall, and I think even it's even on the uh, Stonewall Monument in Monument Park that that they refer to it like that way. There's there's no mention of the fact that there was violence or a riot because the only time you're allowed to talk about riots at Yankee Stadium is When you're the Bleacher fans and right fielder, Cleveland outfielders, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's it's um, it's pride events throughout baseball are really kind of corporate in general. Um, But there are certain like certain aspects of it that I think kind of leak through a little bit into what pride should be more about. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, forming this thought in my head as I go along here. But like one of the things that I've noticed over the past couple days is uh, I watched a bit of the Red Sox Pride Night uh, pregame last night. And they had three Boston area drag queens on the field during the pregame. And they announced them and recognized them along with other DBTQ leaders. And then I just saw today that the Mets have invited Jan from Drag Race to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game" at their Pride Night tomorrow night. And what that says to me right now is that in a time where. And you Katia, eh? <laughs> well, that's. Uh, Steve Tolley's it's, it's,
0: worth like $13 billion. Get Katya in there. <laughs> anyway, continue.
2: Yes. Uh, I guess uh, the, the, the uh, runner up and all stars go to City Field and the winners go to Yankee Stadium, maybe. They um, do not.
5: <laughs> I promise none of the drag race winners are at Yankee Stadium as much as I would love to see Willow show up right next Compos- to me I am,
0: top. I am composing a strongly worded email to jason zillow as we speak however so this <laughs> may be rectified by next year we will see we'll see how much power i have go ahead ken sorry
2: but yeah but the thought i have when I, when i see that right now is that at a time where the drag community especially kind of being made front and center of right-wing attacks against our community it's kind of important to see kind of mainstream Major League Baseball reach out and say, you are part of this event, too. You're an important part of the community that we want to appeal to and that we want to see represented here. And that, to me, is, I guess, as close as baseball gets to what the original intent of Pride should be. I think that there's also, Matthew,
0: kind of have a winding question before we get to you, but, like, I think also the the way that baseball and fandom sort of interacts with our identity fairly or unfairly, I think gives them a little bit more leeway. So I'm, I'm in my living room right now and there's a, I have a, a backpack, a Colorado Rockies pride backpack. Cause I was in Denver for their pride uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I just, I think of myself in terms of being a baseball fan, being a Yankee fan, being someone that's, you know, Talked about the Yankees in a public capacity for as long as I have, I think about that in a different way than I think about my relationship with my bank. You know, like my bank is like, okay, like I have to pay you my uh, user fees and my Visa card once a month and uh, don't lose my fucking deposits. And that's pretty much all I need out of my bank. I don't need them to be, you know, high gay, sashay away, all that other stuff because I don't think of myself as a Scotia banker in any part of my identity, they're the one bank that I work with, because I used to work for them. And if I didn't work for them, I'd be at any other bank. Whereas I think we build these relationships with teams and with the people that are fans of the team, like I'm looking right now, there are three of my coworkers in this space, and I'd like to think that I'm friends with all of them. And, and so when I think about sort of my own reconciliation with corporate pride, hey, Anthony Rizzo just hit a home run. Yay. Oh, he just won the game.
5: Yeah, that's a walk uh, Here's
0: your boy. Your anyway. and, and the
2: dagger goes further. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you are always welcome in the Bronx, Ken. Uh, I am not there, but I assume they will welcome you. Um, actually, according to Dan, they might not. So be careful. Um, but I think that that's like part of our reconciliation. Part of my reconciliation with this grossness of corporate pride and and all this stuff is like the Yankees and baseball just form a different part of my identity than banks do or, or what have you. Matthew, am I, am I way off base? In saying-
3: I don't think you are at all. You know, I think you bring up really good points. You know, I think, um, you know, I mean like I think baseball and the teams that you root for are more part of your core identity than say, you know, some corporate kind of entity, you know? And uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this a little bit and um, you know, I really do go back and forth in terms of sort of the sincerity uh, that, you know, the angels specifically uh, have in terms of having a pride night, because, you know, I I was listening to Ken, I was listening to Ken speak. And, you know, I want to say that they're genuine and, and like, and just the fact that like, they're saying, Hey, we want you to be included. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to be, you know, you know, you know, fans of this game you know like that that's huge that is huge but there's a little voice in the back of my head that always says something like oh well you know we're a very lucrative uh source of uh uh, income for the team (laughs) so you know there's a cynical part of me and there's a hopeful part of me you know but i agree but i agree with you joshua like you know it's it it definitely means more it's such a it's such a larger part of my identity as a person and as a gay man than say you know scotia bank Um, So we have
0: one more sort of sad thing to talk about, and then we will talk about fun things. Um, And this is where I I really miss having Dawn, and I'm really upset that Carly couldn't join us, because I I think that their voices here would be uh, better than mine. Um, But I don't know how you can be in queer spaces, especially over the last 12 months, and not be concerned and angry and worried and scared and pissed off about the legislative attack on queer people um that has uh, happened at state and municipal level governments in the united states i mean i don't want people to think that canada is some wonderful progressive utopia like the the rhetoric is here the bills are perhaps not before legislatures here but the rhetoric is here um so you know, I have a, a tracker in front of me that, unfortunately, I have bookmarked, and it tracks all of um, the bills that have been tabled in various state houses, uh, denying trans kids healthcare, uh, stupid, useless, nonsensical high school sports rules. Uh, obviously, the the directive in Texas to strip parents of their custody of their children. They seek gender affirming. Um, and if you go through these states, I mean, Texas has two Major League Baseball franchises. Ohio has two Major League Baseball franchises. Pennsylvania has two Major League Baseball franchises. Um, Florida has two. Like, you see where I'm going with this. These are places that Major League Baseball as a business operates. Um, and, and when you extend that down to uh, the minor league system, MLIB, uh, this is this goes even further because now we're talking, you know, pretty much every single state in the continental United States has and has some kind of MILB team. And, you know, MLB has dipped its toe into legislative protests. Obviously, they moved the all-star game last year after um, the voter ID bill in Georgia. Now, how much that helps, whether or not that was actually something that activists on the ground in Georgia want it or not is kind of up for debate. Um, but, you know, these are attacks against people that could be supporting your, your team <laughs> economically, financially. So again, if we're talking about this as a business decision, um, uh, but even as a, as a morality thing, you know, the major league baseball is very happy to talk about Jackie Robinson and the courage that he showed, and, and rightfully so, but are as much as they want to promote that kind of uh, courage and, and, and dignity and morality, they seem unwilling to do it uh, when it comes to protecting, for example, trans kids. Um, Matthew, again, we can kind of go around the circle and I don't know if anyone really has anything insightful to say because it just makes me depressed. Um, but what like what would you want to see Major League Baseball do? Because they can't. As much as you, they can't rip the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers out of Texas and move them somewhere else, but what what do you think they could do, or they could be doing more of?
3: Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Texas Rangers uh, are the only team right now, well besides the Yankees, that don't have a Pride Night. Is that correct?
5: I believe so. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Okay. Correct. Yeah.
3: So I mean, you know, I think what the Texas Rangers should do, you know, stage one is to have a Pride Night. Stage two, I mean, I think like you know it's hard it's hard to say, you know it's hard to talk about this, you know, because like you you think about, you know, you put yourself in the team's shoes and you think about what would be sort of beneficial to their bottom line, you know, like, I mean, would the Texas Rangers or Houston Astros like how would they like they would probably think to themselves like how would they benefit from something like this speaking out against like anti-trans legislation or anti uh, you know convert anti uh, um, uh, conversion therapy, or I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I mean, there are
0: anti conversion therapy or there are pro conversion therapy bills, right? Right, yeah, that's yeah,
3: yeah. gender uh, gender affirmation care is what I'm trying to talk about, but yeah. Um, so you know, it's 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 a tough thing to think about, you know, because you want these teams to be more uh, out and forward, and you want Major League Baseball to be more out towards like combating these really, really terrible things that are happening, but you know, I'm sure there are some team. Leaders who kind of look at these things and think like, "Oh, well, how does it benefit us? Like, how what would how would it benefit us to, you know, out and say, you know, and and you know, say, uh, you know, come against these things?"
0: I guess um, Ken, I'm I'm interested in getting your opinion on this because I think this is something you have written about quite extensively. But the
3: the thing that I would say is
0: like last time that this happened um, was the you know the North Carolina quote unquote bathroom bills. Um, and one of the more vocal opponents against those, against that bill was the Durham Bulls. Uh, the, the very, I think probably the most famous minor league team. I I don't know how much influence the Durham Bulls have over anything, but certainly they are the minor league team with the most, uh, national recognition. And, uh, the, as a organization, they were opposed to these bills. I'm not saying that the Durham Bulls, Bulls and Bills is too much going on. But um, I'm not saying the Durham Bulls were the reason why that, uh, that legislation failed, but I think that, like, this happened seven or eight years ago now, have the economics of the game changed so drastically that it's it was clearly it was worth it for the Durham Bulls to get involved? Um, can you, like I said, you probably, of the four of us, probably
2: have the most expertise in this area. Um, so I'm going to... Go back for just a second to uh, what you said at the top when you uh, brought this topic up, Josh. And you mentioned how baseball elevates Jackie Robinson. And uh, this is – it's going to take me a second to kind of get to where I'm going with this. So bear with me for a second here. But baseball elevates the image they've created of Jackie Robinson. That's true. Uh, that God is part. true. Yes. Yes. That uh, they love – you know, Jackie Robinson, the heroic guy played by Patrick Chad, Boseman – Uh, on the movie screen. If Jackie Robinson were still alive, the real Jackie Robinson, I'm not sure baseball would be as comfortable elevating him as it is because Jackie Robinson didn't care to be your statue. He didn't care to be the subject of your movie. He was someone who, when he saw Injustice, was going to speak out about it and didn't really care what you thought of that. He was going to let you know what he thought. And so back in his day, like he would speak out about things all the time uh, in baseball opposing managers who uh were you know like Casey Stengel who he felt was a racist because he the Yankees didn't integrate until Elston Howard came along uh Jackie Robinson would speak out about umpires that he felt were racist and because of that he was booed in opposing ballparks all the time which is impossible to conceive today but that actually happened back in the day and so I guess the thing that I'm getting at here is that I don't really trust that the corporate side of Major League Baseball and the teams themselves are going to do the right thing when it comes to speaking out uh, against the anti-trans legislation in Texas or Ohio, for instance. What I'm hoping will happen at some point is that one of the true allies that we have within the game, uh, someone like Sean Doolittle, who's historically been so great to, to our community. Uh, Liam, to Liam
0: Hendricks, Hendricks. Yeah.
2: Yeah, who I just found out about this week is and wrote about uh, on Tuesday, that when he signed with the White Sox, part of his contract negotiation was he straight up asked them, do you have a pride night? Because if you don't, this is going to be a bit of a problem. Um, so I think what we need, uh, to, or at least the closest we're going to get to baseball having an impact, Is one of the players like that when they play like Tampa Bay or they play Cincinnati or Cleveland to call the media aside one day and just say, hey, uh, just so you know, I I know that uh, we're making a lot of money here, uh, that this is, you know, a, a major league market. I am aware of what's going on in this state and I know what's happening to the LGBTQ communities here and I know this team has a pride night. And it would be really nice if, in in addition to that Pride Night, they actually tried to put some kind of pressure on state government to uh, so to uh, to push back against these bills. Um, I I don't know necessarily that we can count on that, but that's I think the the biggest hope I have is that that somebody like Liam Hendricks or Mark Hanna can speak out
5: about it. If I could touch on that really quickly, yeah, um, absolutely, Matthew mentioned. Uh, you know, how would this be beneficial for the teams? And I just, you know, while we were talking about what what teams could do and uh, Ken mentioned Tampa Bay, I remember when the Yankees and the Rays had that joint venture to talk about gun control during one of their games, um, Ron DeSantis pulled state funding for the Rays for doing that. And so I just think, you know, it's hard. I think for a team in a state where certain laws are being enacted against, you know, our community. If 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 Ron if Ron DeSantis can pull state funding for talking about gun control, there's no reason in my mind that he wouldn't pull funding for, if. You know, the Marlins talked about, uh, if they talked about the Don't Say Gay bill or why, you know, I don't know who the governor of Ohio is, but, you know, if the Guardians were to say something, et cetera, like if, you know, if if certain bills are being passed, you know, I would, if I were a major league team, I would be afraid that. Funding that I rely on, especially if I'm a smaller market team, uh, could be pulled for speaking up against my state's government like that.
0: I take your point. Um, and I'm going to let my boss speak in a second. I'm going to let Matthew speak in a second when he wanted to. And that's where I guess I would say, like, then the big market teams have a responsibility to step up and close that gap. Like, what are you going to do to the New York fucking Yankees, Ron DeSantis? Like, i don't like new york like no one cares you're I mean, you're not irrelevant because you're probably gonna be president because it's the united states but that's fine um but like that's where the yankees and the dodgers and the giants and i mean the dodgers and the giants have done a lot I'm, I'm not specifically calling them out but the big market teams that don't face those threats of of legislative action against them um i think can step up and 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 do more than i mean i'm i am as I think everyone has picked up on, I am speaking specifically about the Yankees. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fair point. I don't think that you're wrong. I also, it's too economically uh, inefficient for you to operate in your state. Move the ball team, Stuart Sternberg. You want to do it anyway. You want to get out of Tampa. You don't want to be there. So move. And I just, I don't know. I know that's easy for me to say. It's not my money and all that other stuff. But um I just nothing, few if any things have made me as angry in the last scene. An attempt to legislate away trans people and how this is not the biggest story in the country, and every single public-facing organization is not being asked what are you doing to support trans kids who are trying to kill themselves because their health care is being taken away. It, I, I would like Oregon do more. Two quick things that we want to get through, and then we will actually talk about something fun. Matthew, I know you wanted to speak on this topic, so so please do.
3: Oh no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, uh, I was going to kind of piggyback on what Dan was saying. I mean, like, you know, Ron DeSantis runs his state like a little, you know, like a little despot, really. But that was pretty much just like to me what I saw. What I saw when he pulled funding was, you know, that was a shot across the bow. Like you know, don't defy me, you know, and uh, I won't like, you know, mess with you or anything like that. But again, more to your point, Josh, I think, um, yeah, when you have a huge organization like the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Angels or whoever, um, there comes points where you know you need to be leaders on certain things, uh, and you know, when you talk about anti-trans legislations, like you know, people, people, you know, will be looking to big organizations like the Yankees just to see, hey. Like, what do you think about this? Like, and one of minutes. the
0: reasons why that gun control coverage was full well, was because it was the New York Yankees that did it. Like mm-hmm. there was no there was I mean, there was the shooting in Buffalo that had happened the week before. But this was directly as a result of the shooting in Uvalde, which is about as far away from New York City as you can get and still be on the continent. But the right amount of attention was because it was the Yankees that was doing it. It wasn't the
3: Cleveland Guardians. Exactly. And imagine, just imagine, like, the impact that, you know, it would make if the Yankees came out on Twitter or wherever, like, and, you know, said, we support trans people, we support trans youth. That would be earth-shaking. That would be absolutely earth-shaking, you know? And, you know, every organization has these moments where you put up, and so it'll be interesting to see, I mean, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the road.
0: They are going to choose shut up. Um, okay, I do need to let my boss speak uh, first of all because I don't want to get fired, and uh, um, he has been waiting a little bit while. So, uh, oh, also, we now officially like have a majority in this space. So, uh,
1: <laughs> we have
0: to get a third, a third of five people in here to be Yankee fans. Ryan, hi, how are you? How
1: are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan kind of jumped ahead of me with a. I wanted to bring up the Tampa Bay and Yankees situation with the gun control debate. Sure and part of what that
6: shocked me like you brought this up josh like trans rights like that's that's something so fundamental what regardless of your opinion about guns like there's there's clearly like nuance and like whatever the constitution says about that and you go back and forth on that but that's such a hot topic issue i never thought the yankees would jump into that and then they did and now you look over here at like this is human rights like how is this not something that we're doing something about, you know, like and the Yankees have been one of the slowest teams out there getting that point across. And I don't know. I just wanted to jump in and say it's it's shocking to me that they did that in the first place. So maybe there's hope that they would, but like you said, I'll, I have to I have to see it to believe
0: it. You know, I think that the the main difference, and like I was really happy with what the Yankees did after the mass shooting in Uvalde, but I think the difference, the biggest difference is. Um, A mass shooting is a focusing event. Um, It is a moment where every single person in the country is talking about the same thing, whether that's, you know, any one of the hundreds that have happened in my lifetime. Um, That doesn't really happen with legislative attacks on trans kids. Like the Texas state legislature has called special sessions in the middle of the night when nobody uh, is paying attention and barred the media from, from covering readings of these bills so you just don't have you just don't have the opportunity to focus the attention organically the way that a mass shooting will or the way that a plane crash will or the way that war in ukraine will and so my yeah i think we're all i think we're all in agreement on this like step up and take the mic then like force attention on this issue like what would happen if tomorrow before the game with uh the blue jays and it would be very fitting because i um uh, Toronto is I think I think the best city in the world to be a queer person. Um, how fitting would it be if the Yankees tweeted for an hour the the research and the statistics on gender affirming care for kids and how uh this is something that keeps kids alive when when your medical care is appropriate for your identity amazing how how less frequently you will try to kill yourself um yeah, I don't know. I just think that yep. uh, I think that they can all be doing better. I think the Cubs can be doing better. Uh, every major market team that isn't under the threat that the Rays are um, could and should be doing more, and, and we should be demanding that as fans. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you are hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across
4: sports, media, and entertainment.
2: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is
3: not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
4: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
3: many more doors.
4: The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
5: Listen to The Deal.
6: Listen to
0: The Deal on Spotify. Okay, let's (laughs) actually talk about, like I said, um, half of Pride is a protest and a memorial and it's sort of a way to think about everyone that has been lost and hurt to get our community to this point. And the other half of pride is a party and that's okay too. It's okay to have fun. So, um, I want to kind of go around the horn. Again, we can start with Matthew. Um, queen for a day you get in charge, get put in charge ah my god. Get put in charge of Angels Pride Night. Um, what does it look like to you? Take us through the whole event.
3: Oh, my God, you're giving me way too much pressure. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, gosh, well, I, will, I would definitely pick uh, at least a few local drag queens from Orange County to kind of, you know, throw the first pitch, sing the national anthem, things like that. Um,
0: Can I say something that might be mean? And I don't know if this is mean. Sure. I want Seventh Fetch Race to be done by drag queens. I Ooh. think that that would be a blast. And I don't know if that's me. I am gonna. I have a couple friends who are queens. I mean, I have to ask them if this is me going over my skis about what I'm allowed to say. But I think that'd be
3: so much fun. some drag queens myself, and I will tell you, they would be 100% down, and it would be an incredible experience. 100%. <laughs> but um, yeah, so if I, I mean, if I was in charge of the Angels, I think I would put way more of an emphasis on just the purpose of pride, uh, put more of an emphasis on, you know, OC pride, because I feel like that's always being overshadowed by like bigger pride events in LA and West Hollywood. You know, there are queer people who live and thrive in Orange County and I want to see them be represented. I want them to see, see them be honored. Um, You know, gosh, I don't know. There's so much to think about. I'm overwhelmed right now.
0: (laughs) Ken, how about you?
2: Uh, So yeah, I, I think first thing, a couple of basic things. Uh, I want to see the Cubs follow the lead of the Giants and Dodgers. And I want them to take the field and, uh, progress pride caps at some point soon. I have I just get a sense that that's probably going to happen sometime in the next couple of years uh just because they I think do like being at the forefront of pride events like that. Um I think uh something I would just as a promotion would like to see the Twins a couple of years ago uh for their Pride Day gave away pride I think it was pride jerseys with Twins and rainbow colors and then on The uh, sleeves, they had preferred pronouns. So you could pick he, him, she, her, or they, them. And man, I would love to see the Cubs do something like that. Uh, And even taking the field in that would be like an extra. Um, And then I would like a segment where we give Laura Ricketts truth serum. And then talk to her about her family, especially and the team's relationship with the community. And just hear her honest thoughts about, what she actually had to, uh, went through her mind when they traded for Daniel Murphy a couple of years ago, for example. So um, I
0: need love context that. on this. I don't know what we're talking about.
2: Uh, so you know, Laura. You know,
0: so you know how on Twitter, how you can mute a word, and then like sometimes you'll see a thread. I hate threads. Please stop writing them. But like you'll see a thread, and they'll be like, you'll have a tweet in the thread muted, and so you don't quite know what's on. My brain is like that when I hear rickets. So yes, um, I don't know what we're talking
2: about. That's a good survival mechanism, I think. But uh, Laura Ricketts is the first out LGBTQ owner in baseball. She's she's an out lesbian.
0: Okay. And
2: is well, active with... Her. Yeah, she's a member of Lambda Legal and is active um, within the Chicago uh, LGBTQ community. She's probably the one of the biggest reasons why the Cubs are so connected to it. She's one of, uh, their liaison. And so, like, I'm curious like when they traded for daniel murphy a couple years ago for example that she waited several days to say anything and then issued kind of a very basic twitter statement of that i was approached about this and after hearing i agreed to do it uh and i just want to know what you actually thought when they decided daniel murphy was going to be their big august acquisition um and and then also um Within her family, uh, uh, one of the. Uh, her brother is the governor of Nebraska. I mentioned earlier, and he ran on an anti-marriage equality uh, stand because that's what you got to do to be a Republican governor in uh, states like Nebraska. Now, and I've always been interested in saying, okay, yeah, what did that mean to you, Laura? Um, so, yeah, that—that's what I mean when I say give her truth serum. Is is I just I just want to hear honest thoughts about about the family um
0: it's funny that you mentioned the twins and i was i was called out for this at a private function over the weekend um but uh, the fact that the twins have never leaned into twins twinks is always a little bit of a disappointment <laughs> for me but it's anyway. opportunity
3: for sure absolutely it is it is um,
2: i can tell you firsthand that uh, based on the way jed hoyer operate deadline last year the cubs are in a twink phase at this point So,
0: okay, so this is something that perhaps is maybe a little bit sidelined. So, I was called out for being in a twink phase, which uh, interpretation, we're going to sideline the baseball conversation for a second. This is a very, this is an explicitly queer conversation. In the person's interpretation, a twink phase is when you are primarily attracted to twinks. My understanding of a twink phase was it's that period in a queer man's life between the ages of 18 to like 23 where he feels because of societal pressure that he has to be uh, excessively twinky, And then he gets a little bit older and he realizes you don't actually need to do this, which is it who's right. Am I right? Or is my friend right?
5: I think you're right. Cause I, I think people who their whole life are attracted to Twinks. So I don't think that could be defined as a phase. Right. So I, I think that I, I would assume that it, twink phase would be something that, right, where you feel like to be attractive as a gay man you must be a twink and you try to become more of a twink. I would say that's the twink phase.
0: Ken,
2: We have
5: three Um, people
0: here so we can get a majority vote.
5: Yeah, I,
2: I had it explained to me actually in a conversation at Pride Fest last year that twink phase is Every gay goes through a twink phase in terms of who you're attracted to, and to that extent, I would submit my Instagram feed as Exhibit A.
3: Well, uh, I uh, I like to say that I had my twinkness thrust upon me, uh, so I didn't really have really any any say in the matter. But um, yeah, I think I agree. I agree uh, uh, that you know a twink is someone between the ages of you know 18 and 23 who are primarily attracted to other twinks.
0: Okay, interesting. We're gonna have to have a conversation, my like friend. Anyway, um, yeah, similar, I don't have Instagram, but uh, my TikTok feed, TikTok knows entirely too much about the kind of person I'm attracted to, and I'm a little bit worried about it, but uh, what's China going to do with that data? Um, um, Dan, um, I have an idea for what I want the Yankees to do for Pride. It mostly involves uh, Drag Queen singing God Bless America, but um, do you have anything that you would want out of uh, out of a specific Yankees Pride night? Not a boring speech, no speeches.
5: No, um, I mean, I, so it, it starts with the drag queens, as we said. Uh, you know, one of the most famous drag queens is Bob the Drag Queen, and she lives in New York, mm. and the Yankees have all the money. So, you know, get her, book her literally for the night. Um, and beyond that, just like, I don't know, change it. Talk about, they do 80s in the 8th. Uh, every 8th inning, they play 80s music. For one night, they could like make that queer. The 80s, in, you know, there's plenty of queer history in the 80s. They can make 80s, not much, 80s. Of it,
0: not much of it great. Not no, great not gay gay much of it great,
5: but but just to, like inform people. Yes, yeah, I agree. You, you know, we've talked about that there's, I don't think painting a hist- gay history, like painting a positive gay history, I think that's ignorant and I don't think. You know, it's important to remember that Stonewall was a riot. So, like, mentioned that, you know, things happened in the 80s. It just goes with the theme. Uh, I mean, beyond that, you know, it's it's mostly drag queens, as we've all said. Um, but just, like, celebrate the histories, the the city's gay history, because there, there's a lot of it in New York. There's a lot to pull from. And... It wouldn't actually be that hard to find a way to celebrate queerness for a night. At um,
0: one of the things, Ken, I'm, I'm curious if you know, um, if if I remember correctly, the Kansas City Royals used to give at least a portion of their proceeds from Pride Night to queer homeless
2: shelters within within the city. Is that still a program that they do? Do you know? Um. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I When I was doing the Pride Guide for this year, I don't think I saw if they had chosen a charity to donate a portion of the proceeds to. Uh, I know a, a number of teams do that. And um, there are actually, I believe it was the Tigers and the Pirates actually allow you to choose the charity that, that you hmm. portion of your ticket goes to. And they give you like five or six different options from like P Flag Pittsburgh or... Uh, a uh, gay homewood is one of them. The name, name escapes me at the moment, but anyway, um, and I would say that uh, in researching that piece, that there are maybe at least ten different teams that make a donation to either a uh, LGBTQ centric charity or, like uh, Orange County Pride, for example, gets the Angels a portion of the Angels ticket. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's something that's caught on in baseball, and I would really love to see the choose-your-own-philanthropy part of it catch on.
0: Yeah, I like that bit quite a bit, and it's probably, I mean, we can have fun and talk about how gay we want baseball to be. Um, bring back the shorts. Um, but um, Ooh, yeah. that is something that I would want to see in in a Yankees Pride night. It, um an extension of the economic weight that the area. let's direct that towards um towards something um sydney you requested to speak so um yeah uh what's up go ahead and un- unmute yourself what's up
6: yeah well just one of the things um talking about pride the and yankees and you guys have mentioned this is that they do have you know all the money in the world and they have such a big platform so I, every year i kind of become disappointed when i don't see them using that and i, I just really wish they would you see other teams like the mets for example you know, really using it. They're having pride night tomorrow night. The players are very supportive of it. So I I guess I just just wish we saw some more of that with the Yankees.
0: Yeah. Um, Sydney preaching to the choir. It is, it, um, June is almost over. Um, I have a woman with about 800 words. Um, and I'm, I'm only about a third of the way done about how pissed off I am at the way that they've treated pride this month. Um, it's, again, going back to our earlier conversation about legislative attacks on queer people uh, across the country, this was the time to do then just check the box and the Yankees seem unwilling to do that. Um, two of my editors are in this space, so just know that that article is coming sometime in the first week of July uh, when the Yankees don't do anything about this. Um, yeah, it, it, it is it is the thing about about being a Yankees fan that is most disappointing for me it's more disappointing than having Randy Levine work for the Yankees it's more I mean I, I don't want to say it's more disappointing than like the things that Josh Donaldson said because I don't know how you can play game like a or stuff like that but it is consistently year after year after year the thing that makes me say you know why don't I just start cheering for the Rockies more I already watch a bunch of Rockies games I watch a bunch of Angels games um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Thanks for sharing. Um, Nick. Hi. Hey guys.
4: How's it going? Fantastic. What's up? Um, so I just want to jump off what we've been talking about, um, especially with, with regards to the Yankees. Um, I, I, I have a complicated take on this. I, I've kind of talked about this on Twitter a little bit, um, where in a way like there's part of me that almost, there's part of me that I was almost rather like them just not do the pride night at all because I think, um, matt touched on this where like we are definitely a lucrative demographic at this point in a way like I, i've said it before it's nice that we've been deemed worthy of being being pandered to um that we have been recognized as an economically viable group and like group that matters in terms of like you know you can pre-show us and get our money which in a let way is very flattering um but i just there's part of like it, if it's not going to come from a place of sincerity then i don't want it you know Um, like, and, and, but there's also the half minute looks at, you know, across town, the Mets, and you have their Twitter avi in rain, decked out in rainbow and everything, which is the stupidest thing to get, like, get jealous of. But I am a little jealous of that. Um, that bit of recognition is nice. Um, like, like, I, I, I want to be panned to in a way, um, even if it is just, you know at the end of the day for my cold hard cash so um, can i
0: ask you something and this is because yeah. i think this is at the heart of this entire conversation like so you you're saying like intent matters like the intent the action matters that yes. if the yankees don't really believe in this I, I, I just don't want you to feel like i'm putting words in your mouth that's what you're saying essentially um right.
4: so so part of me feels that way i also right. think
2: but that, i just want to address that part
4: um, yeah part of me definitely feels that way there's also part of me that feels like it's important to at least have the pride night and like make young queer people feel that, like, they matter and they're they're welcome. Um, that That's being my, said, that I, I, would, yeah. I also worry about the young queer Yankees fan who shows up to Yankee Stadium in some sort of rainbow gear and gets yelled at by Vito from Long Island. You know what I mean? Um, like, that that freaks me out a little bit. Like, I've been to plenty of Yankees games. I've never been to their, their feeble attempts at, like, having, you know, I think if they call it Legacy of Pride Night or something stupid like that, I've never <laughs> attempted to go to that game. Um, but I would, you know, be a little worried about Vito from Long Island and his five buddies at that game. You know what I mean? Um, like, you know, it's a different team, but NYCFC had to root the Proud Boys out of their supporters group. Like Enrique Tarrio was a member of this NYCFC supporters group for a long time. Like it was in the press and he was still welcome for a while. Um, and yeah, that's a different team, but they still, they they still have a working relationship with the Yankees and were housed at Yankee Stadium. Um, so so yes, I, I definitely I, I definitely agree that, you know, you know, showing the young queer kid that they're welcome is extremely important. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not necessarily losing sleep over the fact that I've never been to a Yankees Pride night and like frankly I don't even know if I would want to go. There's a reason that there is still not an out active major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um I Frankie Delakrena's touch on this uh, when when the race thing went down. Um like there's a reason they're still on an, an out MLB ball player because, you know, it's not necessarily a safe space yet. Um MLB is definitely, you know, making inroads and there's, you can like, like you guys have been saying all night, you can tell which teams actually mean it and which teams don't. You can absolutely tell. Um And I would imagine that a player on one of those teams would definitely feel more comfortable coming out than a team than a player on like, you know, the Rangers, the Yankees. Um, I just have the mind that, like, like, if the Yankees are only doing it, just you know, like, to show lip service, then I'm not going to go and endorse that. Um, and yeah, I do get a little bit jealous, you know, that the Mets seem to care and that their players actually seem to be, you know, at least some of them, seem to actually be involved in and care about it. Um, I don't know. And at the same time, give my damn rainbow hat at the gate, damn it, because I want it. I'm of two minds up mind at it.
0: Yeah, I think I think your point about you know the. So I just want to address people that are in the space now. Um, I know Peter texted me and he said he had a question for us kind of towards the end of the space, Alex, uh, we're going to let you speak next. I just have a quick, quick little rebut to to Nick. Um, There's not really a rebut, I think we're 90% in agreement. I guess the thing that I would say about like the queer kid that comes to a Yankee game, wearing something rainbow, part of having a pride night. And so I guess this is where like, I was, I was going to tell you like, I don't particularly care about your intent. I, compare, I care about your execution um, because that's like doing the thing is what matters. Um, you can have great intent. And if there's no action, I'm a, I'm a practice person. I went through grad school and I hated every theory book I ever read. Um, I think To your intent, part of having a pride night is designing systems at the game to make it as safe, inclusive and welcoming for all kinds of queer people and that includes white cis gay bears and that includes disabled trans people of color like it, whoever you are you should be able to come it's, you should be able to come to any game but especially pride nights and so i guess that would be where i would say intent matters particular to the yankees is i don't know if they yeah, do I, I don't i don't trust
4: those sisters in place sure.
6: that's fair and that's a fair criticism i think um alex what's up
4: yeah. So, uh,
6: uh, I would say, cause I do cover the Texas Rangers. So I have I would like, to, yeah, I would like a lot. I would like to ask you a lot of questions actually. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so I am out to a few of them. Like they know, and I've had a conversation with them this past month. Um, so, and, and they're all, they're all somewhat aware. It's a difficult fine line because you can't really say anything because it is from, oh, we will say this is that internally there are conversations that are happening. From what I have been told, and so they're making internal
0: conversations that are happening. And I'm not blaming you. That's just a no, no, a no, no, one, no, no, That's a wonderful corporate phrase. I love it. Right, it's fantastic.
6: Right, but um, but yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of them, like you know, we've had kind of off the record conversations as well. And so again, it, it's something that is on their agenda. There's a lot of allies throughout within the organization the problem is they're not the ones that make the decision Mm -hmm. that's true and so that's ultimately it goes through really one person one person only and that's the one person that says no so um but i will say like there are people part of the community that ranger players who have friends, who have families. And you know, it's interesting because, uh, I was talking to Brad Miller the other day and because it was the six year anniversary, Orlando shooting with the Rays had their pride against the giants. Yes. And he remembered that fondly being from Orlando himself. And he said, it meant so much to him. And of course we had good talks on there. I've had talks with Charlie Culberson. Ken knows this. Um, And it was some some lines of what Nick said and ultimately that why just relegate it to one day? And I know Pride, you know, it is it really is one game, but we should be acting like that every single day. We should be acting like that in 65 days. And because sometimes when you specifically, and, and, you know, he was asking me like, okay, well, if they just do in response, is that going to make it any better? And I said you know, well, why do you have to say what your intentions are? And, you know, we ha- we had a good, like, 20, 30-minute conversation me and Charlie Culberson did.
0: One thing that I'm always curious about, um, to your point about this being a 365-day, like, Pride is a 365-day thing yes. because you don't get to turn off your queerness uh, whenever you want. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, so I don't talk about it a lot um, because it's not really appropriate. I have a signal chat that has a number of minor league players who are queer and closeted. Mm-hmm. And uh, because this is something that I've mm-hmm. written about extensively and it's gotten some covered and um, one yeah. of them will come out. I, yeah. like, I know in the next 10 years, one of them will come out. And one thing that I'm curious about if they decide to center their queerness, which how, how much do you do that as a queer for Um, but, you know, players wear religious iconography on the field. Well, Christians wear religious iconography on the field all the time. And um, they do, you know, you see players do things with their shoes. I wish they would let them do more with their bats, but they wear shoes that support a specific cause or or, uh, even like an artist that they like or, or what have you. If the first out MLB player wants to have a rainbow flag, on the back of his batting helmet for an entire season, like every single game, the same way that uh, a Christian player would, would wear a cross on the field or cross themselves before they step in like that. I would be curious what an, what an organization's response would be. And it would be like, I think we all know that the, the Giants and the Dodgers would have a different response than the Cardinals would. But I it, it's something
6: that I think about a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it depends on the organization. And as long as I don't know what the exact uniform codes are, but it falls if it falls within that regulation, there's not really too much an organization can say if it follows that. Um, Just like, you know, what we what we thought it was a uniform violation when the Rays ripped patches off when those players did you know they're we were thinking we were talking about it like isn't that something that should have been relegated within major league baseball too i mean you're required to wear the same uniform Mm
2: -hmm.
6: okay
0: um uh, everyone that's a speaker i want you to come up uh, except well uh, peter why not who cares peter we'll get to your question in a second i have one more fun question and then we'll get to peter's question i don't know how serious it is but we'll get to it um so everybody come off come off mute we'll do a fun question um, which position is the gayest, or uh, or you don't know, no, Actually, we're not going to ask that question. Which position is the most queer? Because there's a difference between gayness and queerness. Which position is the most queer?
5: Is is it wrong to say catcher as a joke? <laughs> I was going to say catcher. The, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was I was, was going to say pitcher. I was
3: going to say pitcher. Maybe that's topping me, but it was, I was going to
5: say. T- <laughs> I'm
2: yeah. going to go. I'm going to go specifically. Oh, Otani, just because he's verse.
5: Yes. <laughs> indeed. That's probably the best right answer. answer, yeah. right answer.
0: <laughs> I would say center field because it's the most dramatic and what is queerness if not a little bit added drama?
5: That was actually my first thought, but then but then I thought of the catcher joke. But I, I yeah, I I actually don't that that's funny. That was my first thought with center field.
0: Um okay, Peter, I know you've been waiting a long time. What's your question? I, first of all, is your question serious or is it fun? And second of all, what is your question?
1: Uh so it's it's more of a serious question, but if I can chime great, in, great.
0: Let's bring the tone. Away.
1: Yeah. Well, no. If I can chime in on what what is the queerest position, I'm surprised no one said shortstop because I think there's a level of flair and panache at that position that also
0: generally pretty hot. Yeah. A lot of very attractive shortstops. Trey Turner, please answer
1: my emails.
4: <laughs> shortstops don't know how to wear their pants right.
1: Um. So yeah i I was kind of bummed that I couldn't make the most of, like, the majority of this space because I was really excited about it. Um, and I've been thinking about what I wanted to talk about uh, in the weeks since Josh organized this whole thing. And uh, I'm glad that you guys mentioned the lack of an out uh, professional baseball player. Um, and I it, it kind of brought me to this recurring thought that I've had about how it's it's almost this, like, kind of cruel self-reinforcing cycle where the lack of a role model um, an out ML beer to who can serve as almost like sort of a, uh, a signpost or a, a guide to, to, to which, you know, maybe uh, queer youth can, can relate to and can, and can, you know, take inspiration from, I think it's, it almost creates the self-reinforcing cycle where um, the notable, the notable lack of any out professional baseball players almost creates a doubt in the mind, doubt in one's mind that, that it is a safe space where one can be out and that it is, that, you know, attitudes are changing that would create such a safe space and so that brought me to something that i've uh you know kind of questioned for years which is about how we actually change societal opinions so that it isn't seen as some sort of like i don't know like i I, lo- I look at michael sam for example the the first i think the first openly gay nfler and the way that he kind of got essentialized to his uh, sexual to his identity to that asset that facet of his identity i think can almost like discourage people in the future who like maybe would have otherwise seen him as like an inspirational source for themselves and so i the one thing i wanted to ask you guys is like how because I think it needs to start, I think it needs to start at like the earliest levels of like education and, and when, you know, at those early stages in our lives, when we first become aware of sexuality and that there may be differences in sexuality between individuals, like, so even just thinking back to my own education, like even the most kind of progressive ways that these things are taught, like, for example, I, I look at the term, like the LGBT com- community, and even that sort of language in and of itself has almost like othering effect where it all sets up the community as like this out group almost that is mm, like that there's almost this impermeable impermeable barrier between like the the LGBT community and then like the greater public whereas instead of everything existing with him like collective sphere or community so I want to get your guys thoughts on that. So um, if everybody else will
0: permit me, um, I will go first and I'll go a little long on this because something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. I think first of all excuse me sorry about that that was very gross. Um, first of all, I think that the first openly queer baseball player has has two fights to fight because to be the first person to do something openly, not only do you have to be in that community, you have to be a queer person, but you also have to be really, really fucking good. And this is the part to, what well, Ken and I were talking about about Jackie earlier. This is the part that people, people often forget about Jackie Robinson, is Jackie Robinson was a fucking incredible baseball player. And Roberto Clemente, a player in NLB, was a fucking incredible baseball player. Like these, so you need to do both. You need to be from the representative group, but you also need to be so good that all of the backlash that will come from a pro team signing you and supporting you is worth it for on-field performance. And I think that this calculation has maybe changed a little bit um, recently with, you know, I think if a player came out on the San Francisco Giants, I think that this would be seen as, particularly for San Francisco, uh, a money-making opportunity, which is kind of gross and cynical, but might actually help the team Uh, support said player Um, and I think that absolutely the fact that there it is a circle like there are so many cruelties of the AIDS crisis and it is not the greatest cruelty of the AIDS crisis but it is one of them that Len Burke died Um, and so even though he had you know he was not in a great position at the end of his baseball career at the end of his life but having having Billy Bean 15 years before you had Billy Bean could have made a tremendous amount of difference in the way that queer people interact with baseball, especially queer people within the game that are working for teams and in front offices and are on major and minor league rosters. Um, Ken, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that. As far as like your broader question, I mean, you kind of asked us to solve homophobia and transphobia in 10 minutes, which... um, is is not really something that can happen I, I can only like i can only think as far as systems design for for k-6 education i have no idea how to fix that um all that i can think of and i, I know i sound like a broken record on this but the institutions that wield tremendous economic and social authority Can all do a hell of a lot better than they're doing right now. And it is gross that we like to think of the queer community as rebels and fighters and revolutionaries and rioters. And we are. But you don't need to rebel and riot if everyone already agrees with you. And unfortunately, that does start with major institutions like Major League Baseball um backing you um i don't know if i have a satisfactory answer for for everything that you asked um i'm super open to hearing what everybody else uh again like if you're already a speaker like we've gone so far beyond the original lineup of people that was supposed to be speaking in this space so if you're already a speaker um feel free to tell me that i'm wrong um feel free to add on to anything that i say or feel free to have a completely different answer
2: so i think um what The thing that springs to mind when I hear uh, this discussion and, and your question specifically, Peter, is uh, that I had last year the opportunity to speak with a uh, retired minor league pitcher named Kieran Lovegrove, who came out as bisexual to his teammates in twenty nine, I believe. And his experience um, was surprisingly, for the most part, very, very positive that... Um, when he first came out uh, to teammates, the way he described it to me, it was almost like a casual conversation where his uh, s- several teammates on the bus were talking about music, and at one point, uh, Harry Styles came up, and one of his teammates just kind of yeah. asked, "Yeah, yeah, uh, The one of his teammates asked, "Kieran, are, are, are you are, are you into that?" And uh, Kieran just said, "Yeah." So I guess uh, yeah, I'm I'm attracted to to I'm I'm bisexual and yeah definitely into Harry Styles because I got good taste and so for the last last couple years of his career um, when he would change organizations he would meet his team at the beginning of spring training and just kind of get everybody together and would just kind of lead a big group discussion and he would start with my name is Kieran Lovegrove I'm bisexual I'm probably the first teammate you've met who is going to tell you off the top that I'm bisexual let's talk what do you need to know And the way he described those conversations to me was, for the most part, again, very, very unproductive for, you know, minor league players coming from, you know, the tiny parts of Texas or Mississippi or, you know, all over or, you know, suburban Orange County, California. Um, And he also said that he did run into people who had problems with it. And for the most part, his teammates kind of ensured that they were the ones who were ostracized rather than him. So, obviously, this is only one example, but it's the example I have to go off of. And I would say that if that's the case in minor league baseball, then maybe things are changing at least a little faster than, than we'd have thought. And maybe there's a bit of hope there. I do
0: think that um, the, the first player to come out will find the majority of the backlash does not come from their teammates, I think. I think that the backlash it will be weaponized by opponents like Josh Donaldson will yeah. will say a slur <laughs> when he slides into you know the first out shortstop. Um, but I think that the I think that sports teams are just a unique work environment, and um, there will be sort of a, a, a rally around the rainbow flag movement, and then the back opponents and the backlash will come from fans. Um, and I think that as long as, I I mean, I, I'm a shitty baseball player. Um, and you know, but I, I think that as long as your team is behind you, and as long as I think to, to your point about approaching it in an open and adult and respectful manner and saying, Hey, like you will not invalidate my identity, but I understand that you might have questions and that's okay. Like, let's sit down and have this conversation with respect to everybody and let's, figure out where the pain points are. I think as long as you do that, I think the, the internal clubhouse dynamics will be fine. I think I, again, I could be wrong, but I will also shut up and I'll let everybody else that's a speaker speak.
6: Oh yeah. You know, I'm, I'm around the clubhouse daily and there's so much, everybody's very open. Everybody's very honest with each other. And keep in mind, you're, you're with your teammates about 12 hours a day for not even six months, but all year because you're doing a training off season. So I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are players if there are teammates that know that certain players are out it's just it's just not public Nick, I know you you uh, looked like you had something to say
4: yeah so the, the point I was gonna say was that um, just looking at the way that the uh, like Carl Nassib coming out went, went down um and I, I would say I mean this is just my my take on it I was always worried that the first out, active. I mean, he was not the first, but he's, he's stuck in the league. Like Michael Sam was, was a flash in the pan, but Carl Nassim is a good player on a good team and he's stuck in the league. Um, I was always worried that that sort of experience is going to be more difficult than the first out baseball player. I could be completely wrong about that, but like it happened. And like, it was mentioned on a broadcast, I But for as far as I know, it actually went pretty smoothly. Um, so I think if anything, that's a heartening example to look towards. Um, I, I do think that, you know, um, the NFL is very much more um, craven in its quest for, for money um, and, and willing to drape itself in the, in the, in the rainbow flag. baseball is. Um, so that could definitely be part of it as well. And again, also, like we said earlier, it depends on which team this player is on. Um, but I, I do think it will happen in the next 10 years, like you said. Um, and I, I, I do think it'll be bumpy at first. And like you said, there will be some sort of Josh Donaldson-esque, you know, comments that happen, obviously. Um, but I, I think it'll actually go pretty well. Matthew, you've been, you've been quiet
3: lately. What do you think? You know, I, uh, I am hopeful, you know, like everybody else said, like, I do think, I mean, you know, it will happen soon. And, um, just based on, you know, conversations, I see tweets from Mark Hanna tonight. I see yeah, and Taewon Walker uh, piggybacked on that as well. Uh, you know, we have Sean Doolittle. We have, you know, uh, we have um, Liam Hendricks. And we have all these guys who are, like, stepping up to the plate and, uh, you know, showing support. And I think the conversation is changing. And I think the conversation is changing for the better. So I uh, I do feel a lot more hopeful that we're going to see an openly gay uh, ball player. Uh, gosh, yeah. Next 10 years, probably the next, like, probably even shorter than that. But, um, you know, I'm thinking about what you said, Josh, about, like, having that gay player, that, that gay player needs to be, like, better at everything else. They need to be a spectacular player to fend off any of those kind of homophobic attacks. And it pains me to say it, but I feel like there's a, there's a truth to that as well, you know? So, I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, like, I do feel hopeful that it's going to happen very soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Rogers Syndrome, right? She did everything that Fred Astaire did, but she did it backwards, and it heals. Like, the, the struggle is the same for any person trying to break through. Um... I'm going to give the last word on this. Um, so, Dan, you get, our, you get our golden poppers bottle, I guess, for being the MVP of the show. Um, someone who I have no idea who you are, but I think you uh, <laughs> kind of uh, you were not involved in the planning of this. Um, I know Nick. I know Ken. I don't know Alex, but I, I know of his work. Um, who you are, and I think you've, you've held yourself uh, pretty well in, in a space. Uh, I don't know if you do this a lot, but you sound very
5: professional. All right. Well, remember that when after college I applied a pinstripe belly. I know your bosses are here. They should remember that too. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my! No. Nice, nice. But, um, <laughs> but no. I mean, what I was going to say is that, I mean, I, I I agree with everyone else that probably coming soon, and that's great. Um, but that I am worried because. You know, the Josh Donaldsons of the world, they are there, and while the conversation is shifting, I saw those Mark Canna tweets. I had a friend text me, a queer friend text me about the Mark Canna tweets, and how he's a, he's a fan of the Mets, and how like they, they made him very happy. I think it's very different to be Mark Canna, and be an ally, or be Liam Hendricks, and make sure the White Sox have a Pride Night, is to be a baseball players so i think that while i agree agree that there's going to be a queer player soon um it's important to remember that there's a lot there's a lot of extra hurdles between the game kind of moving in a better direction and a successful queer baseball player really leaving a mark
0: yeah, it's, I mean, it's much easier to be a Secret Service agent than to be JFK, because only one of those guys got shot at. Um, yeah, right. I, I, I completely agree. Um, okay, so we should wrap up. We've been at this almost two hours. I do want to give a little bit of an update. So Dawn Ennis was supposed to be um, with us tonight. Um, she had some sort of a family emergency. Obviously, we hope that everything's okay. Um, Dawn, if you don't follow her and don't read her work, please go do it, um, especially her sort of direct activism around these legislative attacks on trans folks. Um, she's incredible. Um, I'm going to try to do, she's a Mets fan, a little bit annoying, but like nobody's perfect. Um, I'll probably try to do a space with her, maybe during the years or something. Cause I just have a thousand questions to ask her. Um, but let's again, everybody that's a speaker now, I mean, this is, this is, this is broken down. Uh, this was supposed to be very well organized and we didn't get started for 20 minutes and everything else that happened. Um Everybody that's a speaker, I mean, I just I'm just curious, you know, we're we're halfway through Pride Month. Um what I think it's so important to experience and uplift and uphold queer joy because there's so much queer pain and queer sorrow that we are forced to see every day. Um for the rest of Pride Month, what uh what sort of queer joys are you planning? Ken, I know you're going to, to Cubs Pride Night, but what what beyond that?
2: Uh yeah, Cubs Pride um We've got uh, Chicago's Pride Fest is this weekend, um, which I think they're having like a, a uh, Alaska Thunderfuck is going to be one of the headliners and a, a Queen tribute band as well. And then actually going to a family trip to, uh, during their Pride celebration. So I'm curious to see what that's going to be about. Um,
0: Alex?
6: Um, you know, just kind of chilling back, of course, you know, doing my own Repping pride at the ballpark, even though there's not, so you'll always see me have a little bit of rainbow on my uh, on my color on me. So, gotta gotta rep it, even if it's not there.
0: Dan,
5: yeah. So, um, I went to Jersey Pride earlier this month, I went to North New Jersey Pride earlier this month as well. Can I
0: be, can I be very gross for a second? Um, is North New Jersey Pride like
5: Nice. Um. So I was only there for a bit. It was this past weekend. Okay. It it was fine. It wasn't like it it wasn't anything spectacular, but it, it was sure. it was fine. It was. What Having it was. said
0: that, you know that's unfair. To me sometimes like sometimes like the small town pride events or the pride events in places that you don't think of to go to are are quite quite something.
5: Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. And then I'm actually tomorrow going to London. Uh I have an internship there over the summer, and I'm very excited for London Pride.
0: Yes, um, I, I don't know. We we do have to cut this as a podcast, so I, I I will perhaps not give you all of my London recommendations because other people might listen to this. But uh, <laughs> sign the DMs, and, and I'll I'll tell you I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you where 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 to go in London, um, Matthew.
3: Well, I got a lot of stuff going on. So OC Pride uh, is next weekend. Very excited about that. There's a smaller uh, Pride in Laguna Beach. That's going to be the weekend after. That's kind of like a more artsy kind of thing that I'm really looking forward to going to as well. Angels Pride Night is in two weeks. Uh, And I'm just going to just, you know, hang out and have fun and break bread with my usual band of queernos that I hang out with all the time. And just, you know, find joy in community, find joy in friendship. And uh, that's the best we can do at this
4: point. Um, so, I am looking forward to attending the uh, Queer Liberation March in New York City on uh, a weekend and a half or two. Um, I always felt a little queasy about the main New York Pride, um, just because of the um, both the, the corporate logos and the sheer amount of uh, quote-unquote well-intentioned straight people who go to gawk. I just feel very awkward about that.
0: Oh, I love being gawked at. That is... That is one, straight people, we can talk about the corporate pride thing, I completely agree with you. Straight people, please keep looking at me. There is nothing makes me feel better about myself. No man, no queer man can give me the validation that straight people at Pride give me. But go ahead. I Um,
5: Sorry, I have to agree with that real quick. I once marched with a group of friends uh, who are uh, part of a subsection of the community i marched in NJ pride with them
0: Did you march with Pops? Why are you being so uh, big?
5: That that is what i did. Yes, i marched with Love pups this. in amazing, NJ pride. Incredible. Amazing. And i i with them they all wore jock straps and so i did the same thing and the you know the i got compliments on my ass from straight people and that was maybe the most validated I've ever been. So, so, so to be clear, like that's that that doesn't bother me it, like
4: as much as the like um, the people who who show up and, and like you know act like they're allies, but like you're like oh look at that, that's so weird. Like that, like it's not for you, go away. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing the liberation march for the first time. I'm looking forward to that a lot. I actually just recently moved to the city, um, so that's gonna be fun. Um and yeah, I'm I'm just you know gonna see what happens.
0: Um for myself, so Vancouver, um in its weird way to be dumber and stupider than every other major city on the face of the planet, um, we don't do pride until um August first, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um so pride June in Vancouver is kind of strange. It's not it's kind of pride, but it's not really um So, uh, you know, I'll just keep being, you know, my very angry and snarky and cynical queer self, which I think you all follow me on Twitter at this point. Alex, you don't follow me on Twitter. I'm a fun guy. Um,
6: That's going to change soon as far as the following part. (laughs) Okay. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I'll just continue to do that. Um, uh, I don't know about what I'm going to do in the Pride Parade this year. I was asked to, so I work for an indigenous government um, and we have a, Pride float. And I think that if there is any organization that should be given a pride float, it's indigenous government, um, because so many indigenous theories and uh, ideas about gender and sexuality are so radically different from uh, sort of Western conventions around those things. Um, and my boss was like, you know, do you want to be in the parade? And I was like, I do. Um, at the same time, Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't go to pride with pups per se, but I go to pride with
6: like pups
0: and I don't know if I would be betraying. Again, I just said, I want people to gawk at me. I am a zoo animal. Please pay money to gawk at me. Um, I am unsure if I'll be able to accomplish that in a professional manner while representing the Métis nation. So I'm not sure what I'll do for that. I will certainly be at the parade. I'm not sure uh, what I will be wearing or what part of the parade I will be in, but Yes. Um, so we will wrap this up. Um, thanks to everybody. Uh, Ryan.
6: Um, yeah, um, quick.
1: Oh, um, yeah, so um, you made the joke before about how this was four white cis gay men <laughs> running it for a while. Um, not cis, by the way. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, Ryan.
1: Figured this would be a good time to uh, throw that out there. Um, it's been a fun month for me. Uh, Pride has been Mostly moving into an all queer house and uh, plan on doing stuff later in New York City. It'll be a fun time.
0: Ryan, um, that's, wow, thank you for that. That's amazing. Um, I'm a little bit choked up. Um, Okay. Yeah, um, I'm gonna try to figure out a good way to segue out of this episode now because I'm a little bit wait, Josh. <laughs> I'm a little bit teary. Wait, Josh. Thank you. Let me
3: let me just let me just say uh, I have a better answer for the twink question earlier, if I may. Uh, Tweakness is a state of mind. That's my answer.
5: That is true. So true. True.
0: Twinkness is the 21 year old that leaves my apartment and my friends judge me for it, but
5: I'm not gonna get into that. Now. Hey. Also, wait, totally unrelated. You said to shoot you a DM. I can't shoot you because you don't follow me. So shoot me a DM because I
1: want to we'll deal my with it. We'll deal with it off
0: air. We'll deal with it. We're trying to land this plane Dan. No, that's down. my
1: bad. Sorry. Wait, Josh. Yep. Oh, if I can just add. So uh, I don't have anything planned for Pride, but Ryan just gave me the courage to oh, also, Peter. I guess now's a good time to come out and tell y'all that I'm by. Uh, so. Thank you. Peter. There you have it. Um, so if I can, Pinstripe Alley
6: just got a hell of a lot
1: more queer. It, it like in in a thirty second period. So um,
0: I hope that I can tell the story now, Peter. Um, so he came out to me private. So I, uh, Peter, and I have texted pretty much every single day for about two years now. Um, when he was hired, the managing editor at the time kind of gave all the new folks like. One of the more senior writers, and was like, "Hey, like in on this person. Make sure that they're not completely stupid. Make sure that they know how StackCast works. Make sure that they don't say dumb things." And Peter was sort of my little, my little buddy, and um, that's blossomed into legitimately one of just a really endearing and rich friendship. And um, I, uh, Peter, made a joke um, when I was at the, the Whitecaps game, um, the Vancouver Whitecaps soccer team we had a joke. He texted it to me and I was a little bit taken aback because he had never made a joke like that before. It was a little bit, a little bit edgy. And, um, then we were talking about the, um, the Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson thing and how like people will like, cause Donaldson tried to make it a joke. It was all that bullshit. But like, we were talking about like, what do jokes mean and jokes between friends versus jokes between people who aren't friends. And I, I, you know, I just said like, just off the cuff, like you had said this thing and it was kind of odd to hear you say that, but because we're friends, like you just kind of let it go. And then um, Peter came out to me and it was just a really lovely thing that after, I don't know, I, it's, it's one of the great joys as I've gotten older as a queer person, like I don't, I'm not a queer senior or anything like that, but as I've gotten older, when people do choose to come out to you specifically, like I think it takes a particular amount of courage to do what Ryan and Peter just did in in front of a group of people they don't know. Um, But it is, Extremely rewarding when people tell you in person, in private. Um, so, just thank you for that, Peter, and thank you for doing it here, and thank you, Ryan, for
1: doing it here. That was really, really incredible. Thank you for having the space. Yeah, huh? thank you I mean, for, for setting up this this space that um, you know contributed to the feeling of security that allowed me to to do so.
0: Um, so, I don't really know how to close this now after saying all that because I just talked. um. Half of Pride is a party, half of it is a memorial protest. Find, I, I don't, I'm do not i sure I don't need to tell the people space to do this, find a local queer organization. Please find a local uh, trans-focused organization. Give them your time, um, this is a critical, invaluable part of our community and our history and our culture, and they are under systemic legislative attack um, we're all, uh, I guess Ryan's not, but the rest of us, uh, as far as I know, are all says, um, that affords us a position of power and privilege to stand up for the people that are not, um, that a time. they need it very desperately. So give your money. If you can't give your money, give your time. And if you can give both, give both. Um, and that's all I have to say. I guess we can go one more time. Um, just thanks, everybody. If you have sort of a final word, now is the time to to give it.
6: You know, just thank you so much for putting this together. Yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> having me be a part
3: of this. It was a really great, uh, it was a great. Ex- it was an excellent roundtable. And uh, yeah, thank you so much again.
5: Yeah, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. I was not invited, but I'm here anyway. So <laughs> thank you so much. And this was fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's been a pleasure, Josh. Thank you.
2: And
0: a preemptive thank you to uh, Andrew Mearns, my managing editor, who is going to have to go through this mess. I, I mean, I don't know how you're going to you, – you're probably not going to edit that and edit this, and that's okay. But uh, he is going to cut it and release it as a podcast. So thanks for going through that work. I know it's not easy to to go through spaces and, and cut it. But, um, yeah, happy Pride, everybody. Um, I guess – I don't know if I can really close with Go Yankees because we've got a bunch of non-Yankees fans here. But I don't care. It's my space. The Yankees are the best team in baseball. Life is pretty good right now. And, uh, yeah, have a good night, everyone.
3: Good night. Thanks so much. Good night. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you.
0: Go Yankees. Go Yankees.